Sunday, Monday, happy gays. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy gays. Thursday, Friday, happy gays. They're best chums, let's have some fun. Ready to chat with you. These gays of ours. Happy gays. These gays of ours. Happy gays. Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jared Hagland. I'm Ashley Fair. And we are Gay, Gay Best, Best Friends! Friends. Oh, how are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing very well. I'm really glad we got our rhythm back. We did that right this time. We were in step. <laughs> Steppy and in step. Like a Charleston. Um, like a what? I, I may have said it wrong. Ignore that. <laughs> What'd you say, though? A Charleston. Like a, it's a swing dance step. Oh, yeah. I thought you said like a child star. <laughs> and I was also super, was super, absolutely super into the child star. A child comparison. star and her her stage mom. I was feeling exhausted when I got here at first, but your husband fed me. You liquored me. You had a two and a half hour energy drink. I'm ready to go. Woo! How are you doing? I'm doing good. I had is um a a weekend of meetings for this board that I recently joined. Oh, yeah. The insane part was these people, you know, it's one of those situations where you're meeting new people, sussing everybody out. Yeah. This one man, second time I've ever met him, we're in a car with some people on the way to the meeting. Oh, my God, you're in a car. Less than 15 minutes, I learned that he got chlamydia over Christmas and cleans his bathroom once every three months. Well, what else do you talk about in a car? Not that. Like, and I want to be clear, I am not judging him. For getting chlamydia or only cleaning his bathroom every three months. But so fascinating to find it out so quickly. Other than that, my week has been very uh, low-key and unentertaining. So I'm kind of glad that at least, oh, yeah. even in the context of board meetings, that there was some spice in that. Well, that's How fun. about you? I have also had a pretty uneventful week, I think. It's so funny. I don't really... When we do our planning for the podcast, I don't put a lot of thought into how my week has gone. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get to recording day, I don't even remember what's happened in the week. So maybe something... Well, that's our show. We've done nothing this week. And I guess follow us now. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Uh, you're a jerk. <laughs> you had too much energy. But exciting in the world of queers, this past Friday was the 15th year anniversary of the L Word premiering on Showtime. So that's 2003? 2004. Okay. We're in, we're in 2019 now. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about the L Word. Okay, so not just queer people listen to this. So just to clarify, the L Word is... Mm, the L Word? Licorice. <laughs> Lust. <Laughing>. Leprechaun. <laughs> and, okay, Lightning. Uh, stop. <laughs> So the L word is a Lucky. TV show. <laughs> Sorry, go. The L word was a TV show about a group of lesbian friends or queer friends by the end of it, but primarily lesbian friends. Spoiler. <laughs> um, well, like by the middle of it, well, not the end, but <laughs> you just keep spoiling it. <laughs> so the L word is was a TV show about a group of lesbian friends. Uh, and all of their adventures and misadventures. Basically, it sounds a lot more fun than it actually is. It's a drama. Um, it was the first uh, TV show on a major TV station. Uh, it was it was on Showtime when I was in high school. And so it was groundbreaking for that reason anyway. 
Uh, and then from there, it was entirely about queer relationships, lesbian action and inaction and relationships and their daily lives, too. It wasn't just about ladies getting it on. It was about them trying to find success in their lives and how they interact with one another and how they supported one another and how they somehow managed to have coffee together every single morning at the same cafe before work. Who could do that? It's one of the greatest things about friends on TV in general. Like they can always manage to get together once a day in the same place. It really set me up for disappointment as an adult. All TV does. (laughs) So I put a call out to all my friends or the ones who saw my Facebook post. I asked them how, how they first watched The L Word and what it meant to them and if TV now represents their identity more. No one answered that question, which kind of disappointed me. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Because the thing about the L word was it it was pretty good, but the group was predominantly white. It wasn't exactly welcoming of mm. other identities. Like one of the main characters is or started out as bisexual and quickly within a couple of seasons no longer identifies as bisexual because, you know, it's just a lie and everyone's just calling themselves bisexual on the way to gay town. Oh, um, it went with that trope. Yep. Another That's character. very early 2000s. <laughs> right. There's a trans character eventually. But again, the way that they treat him is just um, really appalling now. Like when you, I mean, ever, ever at the time, mm-hmm. I'm sure as a trans person or someone with friends who are trans, the way they treat their, their trans supposedly friend is absolutely insane they kind of treat him when i was saying this earlier i i in my head phrased it as they treat him like a like a joke like Mm. they never really take him seriously um and they don't really support him and the some of the like the terminology they use in this show is also not exactly on like the writers did not do any research into the trans experience. Into what it actually meant? Yeah. There, there was no one on the on the writing staff who was trans trying to make it a real lived no, experience. Exactly. So so for the time it was it was great to see these relationships and a trans person and some bisexuals kind of. But if you were trans or bi or not white, then you didn't really see yourself represented. However, a lot of people still so everyone I talked to so far has pretty much agreed that it was nice. It was soothing to see queer lady relationships on TV um, on a channel they received or one friend started watching it when you ordered Netflix DVDs. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so... Lesbians have been around for that long. (laughs) (laughs) We're ancient. Um, For me, I had a small TV in my bedroom and I remember flipping through the channels um, late one night and I came across this show. I mean, I think I saw two women making out or something and I was immediately drawn in I was excited I was like yes this this is something I'm into at the time I didn't really know how I identified I didn't really have the tools to explore my identity fully um some of my friends and I would make out sometimes so it was more of a ha 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 uh I had one experience in high school that like blew my mind um and then I think I I Treated the situation poorly. But uh, yes, making it with people. Very into it. I, I was making it with girls since I was like 12 or 13. I was very into it. But again, I didn't really 
I just kind of assumed everyone did it because, again, my friends and I would have like group sleepovers and we'd all make up with each other and whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And I'm sure they all didn't turn out to be le- to be like weird. No, exactly. Um, so I never had the tools to explore fully what my feelings really meant. But I have to say, like, their relationships were incredibly unhealthy. <laughs> Constant cheating and backstabbing and just like really unhealthy but then there's a lot of really tender moments that make you feel like yes that's something i can i can identify with and i can have um so the other word's great <laughs> um it's so funny though talking with this so one-sidedly outside of hgtv and the rosie o'donnell show i was like not into the lesbian programming yeah i could talk with the l word for hours but it's definitely better to have someone who's who's watched it too we should watch it together i apologize um, <laughs> i should, really should have but, boned up today but no i didn't watch this but did you watch queer as folk yes do you feel similarly I, um i wouldn't say yes I, I, I think I do, yeah. Because Queer as Folk would be the, like, gay man equivalent. Channel mm-hmm. 24 in Kelowna was probably on, I think, 11 at night. Yeah. Um, and the same sort of things. Nothing healthy about it in terms of, I think, showing you, like, a positive version of the world that you may live in. Unless you grew up in a community that already had queer culture very clearly represented, it's not something you could have imagined. Yeah. It wasn't put in front of you in any, like, you know, and these weren't put in front of us in ways that, you know, people our age probably should have been watching. No. Um, or was made for that audience. Right. That's one thing I think, like, queer kids have today that we definitely would have benefited from mm-hmm. is now that there there is, like, queer representation, kids can look into the entertainment world and stuff and see what it's like to be a queer adult mm-hmm. without it being bad relationships and... I was going to say hardcore sex, but those shows have softcore sex. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it makes a big difference in a kid's life. It does. You, you see on TV now, I watch a lot of... I, I'm a sucker for queer relationships on TV, and I'll watch any show that includes them. Um, and my favorite, of course, is The Fosters, which is... Maybe, I, maybe I'm too close to it now, but I don't think anything about their relationship is unhealthy like it's like the healthiest most mm-hmm. loving and um like communicative uh relationship you could see on television it's so nice so since we're talking about this now i had something in my mind this week i'm a big fan of the show modern family me too and i think cameron and mitchell is like one of those examples that we were just talking about where kids can see what it's like to be a gay adult and it be just normal they and that's what very, life is like. They have a very normal relationship. Yeah. Like they they bicker about things, but that's normal. That's fine. Exactly. Like you're allowed to not be on the same page with every single thing. And that so part, the bickering especially, like is is shown in the other two relationships that are part of the show. Mm-hmm. The younger Phil and Claire and the older Jay with younger wife Gloria. <laughs> But this week, so generally in the show, Jay and Gloria and Phil and Claire, their sex life is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very open about it. Like, we had scenes where the kids walk in on them having sex. Jay and Gloria, like, hot for each other, trying to have sex while the kids are around. Cam and Mitchell, it's always kind of been avoided. Mm-hmm. And this week, I think they were trying to be good and, like, made an attempt at it. It was based on this one night recently... That they both, they called it a really good session, which eked me out and is just like, 
Probably one of the grosser ways to say a hot night of sex. Then built on that, that Cameron found out that night happened because Mitchell was looking at a very old playgirl of David Duchovny, and that got him all revved up. And then later in the episode, Mitchell found out that Cameron was really hot that day because he goes to the gym and has all these really hot gym friends that he stares at. And I was just really put off by the fact that, A, they were both very offended that the other one could get turned on and that fuel their sex life by Mm -hmm. anything outside of each other, which is not only weird in any relationship. Claire and Phil would never have had that storyline because if Phil was turned on by something, Claire would have been, well, that's hot, and put it around the bedroom and made it happen. That's true. And Cam and Mitchell being so offended by the other one being attracted to anyone else... I thought was a very weird storyline, especially for a gay couple, when I think that conversation and openness is probably more accepted than in a lot of heterosexual relationships. Um, So that really turned me off about the show. And so I think sex with queer couples in a PG environment is something that needs to be accepted and better portrayed on TV. It's pretty much what we've been going on about, but I, it's still time for what you're watching slash listening slash reading slash putting in ya. And I have been watching Sex Education. Have you started it yet? I haven't started it, but I've seen it on the Netflix. <clears throat> so tell me about it. What's it like? Are you enjoying it? I love it. Uh, and other people have expressed that it's hilarious and maybe my sense of humor is totally different. Maybe I laugh differently, although... Everyone knows I like I laugh a lot. So Yeah, you're I don't a laugher. Know. That's why we're friends. <laughs> um and I don't find the the show to be that comedic. I think it's very well done and it's enjoyable. And I think there's a difference between like laugh out loud funny mm-hmm. and good for the heart, enjoyable funny. Yeah. And that's that's where I'm at with the show. So what's it about? Oh, <laughs> So it's about, it's kind of a, well, mostly, but this one kid, uh, his mom is a sex therapist, played by Gillian Anderson of the X-Files. Oh. Yeah, that's why I wanted to watch it in the first place, because it's so great. And uh, and so her kid is relatively shy and really keeps to himself, but forms an unlikely friendship with this really cool badass girl at school. Uh, and together they form a sort of business where they're helping other high school students with their sex problems. So it's high school sex therapy? Yeah! Oh, that sounds pretty good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so well done. Um, every episode starts with people with their sex issue. And then it builds on that. And, like, he's super awkward, so he has a hard time really figuring out how to help them with their issue. But then he gets down to it. It's so good, and it normalizes sex, and it normalizes the issues that come with sex. You've made me really want to watch it. Oh, it's so good. You have to watch it. So I knew you were going to talk about sex education, so I have a surprise for you. I am going to give you... A sex ed quiz to see how much Ashley knows about sex. I hope I know a lot because I used to, in university, I was part of my student union, mm-hmm. and we put on a sex fair called Sexpo. Sexpo? Sexpo. It oh. was the best, and I we would do like these quizzes, and people really don't know a lot. No. I feel like I know a lot, but you're going to ask me hard questions, I'm sure. Are you ready, Ashley? 
Ready as I'll ever be. Okay, so what is the name for the part of the uterus that opens into the vagina? Is it vulva, fallopian tubes, ovaries, or cervix? Cervix. Correct. The average male ejaculation contains how much semen? One cup, a teaspoon, a tablespoon, half a tablespoon. Tablespoon. Oh, what is it? It's a teaspoon. Oh, wow. I feel like I've... True or false? (laughs) It is impossible for a woman to get pregnant while she's on her period. False. That's correct. It's not impossible. No, very unlikely, but not impossible. (laughs) That was supposed to be the trick question. All right, I got no multiple choice in this one. How long can sperm live inside a woman? Maybe other people too, but this one was... It's... (laughs) Uh, is, isn't it like three days? Uh, close. It was five days. Five, five days. days. True or false? Lesbian scissor. True. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> that was on a grade eight sex quiz. Next question. Which, which stage is not a stage of the menstrual cycle? Follicular phase? Ovulatory phase? Corpus phase, luteal phase. Oh, I like follicular, ovulatory, corpus, luteal, or luteal. Oh, corpus. Uh, oh, sorry. No, that was right. That was right. <laughs> that was right. You got it right. I'm sorry. I'm sure if I saw, I don't even know how it's pronounced either, luteal or whatever. Like, I would have been like, oh yeah, that. No problem. Okay. Fill in the blank. Two in the pink. One in the... Sink. Perfect. (laughs) What is the name of the duct which conveys sperm from the testicle to the urethra? There's no multiple choice. I don't know. Do you want to guess? No. Tell me. Are you sure? Tell me. (laughs) It's the vas deferens. Oh, I should have known that. Right? Just because it's the weird word. Two more questions. Which of these is considered to not be sexually transmitted? Gonorrhea, syphilis, yeast infection, scabies. Scabies? Yeast infection? Yeast infection! Wow! You can get scabies from sex. I think just because it's skin touching. Oh, I don't really know what scabies is. All I know is it looks not comfortable. Okay, so the last question from the grade 8 sex quiz... Grade eight? Oh my god. Describe felching. I cannot. Oh, that's our show. (laughs) (laughs) What's felching? I don't know if I want to say it. My mother listens to this. I'm going to look it up and I'll say it for you. Okay, look it up. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. We could also play an Eminem song where he describes it. (laughs) This doesn't sound like a good idea. Well, that just shows you what it is. Felching is, oh, a sexual practice involving the act of orally sucking semen out of the anus of one's partner. I didn't get as much of a reaction out of you as I thought I would. For the questions? <laughs> yeah. They were not all grade eight questions. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Felching is not on a grade eight <laughs> sex ed quiz. That makes sense. Scissoring, too. Neither is fill in the blank, two in the pink, one in the stink. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I love how into the into it you were that you're like not even judging the questions. You're blocking everything out to be like, 
All right, I'm in grade eight. I'm doing this. <laughs> when did you get your first sex ed? Um, I think grade five is when guys first started. You guys separated? Yeah, and, gra- and I remember the girls in grade four oh. got it, and they were taken away. And the boys just stayed and, like, I don't know, tossed a ball around or something. <laughs> but but we didn't get sex ed. They went. And then we were separated until grade seven. Okay. I don't remember getting it before grade seven. And we were all in the same classroom together. <laughs> to be fair, my mom did educate me a lot earlier. Because really? my brothers are all so much older than me. Mm. So she didn't want some in, something to happen where, like, I walked in on my brother having sex or something. And I'd be like, what are you guys doing? Wrestling? Like, <laughs> that's my child voice. But is that, like, better going, what, like, walking into the room and seeing it? Oh, you're <laughs> penetrating her vagina. Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know think, what's happening here. <laughs> I think more so it's... Are you using I, protection? I know to give them space. <laughs> mm. Oh, you know that there's... Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I... Anyway, so I knew about sex... Very early. Is she ovulating? <laughs> she on her period? It's impossible to get pregnant. <laughs> as long as she stands on her head after, you're okay. Um, but in grade seven, we had sex ed. And my friend wanted to know if you could get pregnant if you swallowed semen. But and she yes. didn't want to ask it. Oh, so you asked it? So she asked me to ask it. I raise my hand, I point to her and say, this is Nicole's question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, in your sex ed classes, did you not have the, like, Q&A at the end where you got to write down anonymous questions on the paper? No. What? In every one I did, you got to write down anonymous questions on paper. Maybe we did, and maybe she just wanted, she just didn't think of that question until after we found out semen makes you pregnant. And then she's like, oh, well, wait a second. My one of my favorite memories, and this wasn't. If I, I guess, swallow it, it goes in my stomach. It's not the same place, <laughs> right? That's where babies come from. Uh, in grade eight, we had sex ed, and they were talking about like the refractory period for men, so that like after a man has an orgasm, like it goes soft and it takes a variety of time till he's ready to go again. And this one girl was like so insisted that that was not true and did not exist. And then it was like, you know, it's like grade eights talking about sex. So it was slightly awkward. And then this one boy two seats away from her finally just leaned in and he's like, trust me, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't remember any sex ed after grade seven. To be fair... I would have, like, I may have missed grade eight and grade nine because I skipped a grade. Lots of information in this episode. Grade nine is when they showed you the miracle of life. Oh, see, I was homeschooled for grade nine. So did you, and you, there wasn't even YouTube. How did you watch a baby being born? I didn't. Have you, have you yet? Well, I watched Knocked Up. Nah, not the same. <laughs> Until you've seen a bloody baby pushed out of an 80s bush. Oh, 80s You bush, are right. not... <laughs> All right. I was, to be fair, though, I was shocked at the level that they went for Knocked Up. Yeah. Do you know why? Because you didn't do sex ed in grade eight or nine. (laughs) But it's a movie. You don't need to show a baby being born. That's true. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if it can get any hotter, Ashley, but... What are you going to pick? 
topics. Can we talk? Gillette put out their new commercial um, last week or the week before, in, la- in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think last week. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been a ride, I don't know. Um, and it was about how men have the responsibility to be better and can do better. Um, so of course we all know that their jingle is the best a man can get. The best a man can get. And so they have made the decision to make their next ad campaign to be all about how it's the Me Too era and men have to take responsibility for either being the ones responsible for the Me Too issues or responsible for not speaking up. And that men do need to speak up and they need to talk to their friends and talk openly about respecting women and other people. And I think it is amazing. It makes me cry. Uh, I really appreciate that in it. It shows kids seeing other kids and other adults supporting. I'm already getting like goosebumps right now. It's a really good ad. And I love when advertising becomes art. Mm-hmm. And it really was, like, I think on, like, the video I watched, it was titled in the online, like, caption, like, short film. Yeah. And that's more what it is. It is. Like, it's a good piece of, of film. And advertising becoming art, I think, is a great thing. And I really do think this is probably one of the bigger cultural moments where we have taken the Me Too movement and actually talked about the problem. Like, it's not, you know... We've done with a year and a bit of women being the forefront of the Me Too movement, talking about these systemic issues. But this is really, I think, the first public thing where men kind of went, oh, it's us. Like, we need to step up to solve this. I think it's it's so important. Well, and there's a backlash, right? There are men thro- taking videos and stuff of throwing their Gillette razors in the toilet, which is a stupid place to throw away your razor. People are stupid. When it comes to their like their backlash to it, throwing you're right, throwing your razor in the toilet, sure, go ahead, flush it, and then spend how much on fixing your pipes? Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Ugh. I think it really shows how much of this conversation about Me Too and everything hasn't been about men. That something like this comes along, and. I won't do what they're all accusing Gillette of doing. I won't put all men in this category. Hashtag not all men. (laughs) But people got their backs up. Yes. They got so fucking defensive. As soon as the onus was put on someone, apparently to all these men who are so offended, uh, the whole Me Too movement had no villain. But now that Gillette has named who is responsible... For all these scenarios, suddenly they're offended. Like, they didn't see themselves in it until now. Which I think is also kind of important. Like, you didn't see yourself in the Me Too movement until Gillette said, Hey guys, you're kind of responsible for the Me Too movement. Sure, no, not all men are. And yet, we are all responsible in some way for being party to the atrocities that we do. Whether we speak up when someone says something shitty or not totally impacts the entire, it impacts every other conversation that person then has. 
Well, and this is something, so I don't think I, and I'm, I'm sure I do in some ways, but I don't think I am at the forefront of toxic masculinity. No. I don't think I've done horrible things to women. But in this whole Me Too time, I will say I was not aware until this all came up how affected every woman I know is on an almost daily basis mm-hmm. from men and the culture that we have. And so even from that, like, I've seen the world in a different way in the last year from talking to women and just, like, it's blown my mind how talking to women, how accepted this toxic culture is and how they've all just learned to deal with it and that is how they navigate their life. And it blows my mind. It's monumental. Yeah, and as someone who, like, I'm progressive, I am... Hashtag woke in many ways. It took this to make me really realize how much it affects women and that our culture has. Mm -hmm. And these people getting their backs up is just proving it. And they're being the worst of themselves by doing it. I hope that their families see them and just say, what are you doing, man? Like, this is reality. Yeah, I hope when someone, someone sees their husband, their son, their boyfriend throw their their Gillette razors in their toilet they take them inside and say like it's not you like maybe you haven't done this explicitly but this is the culture and Mm -hmm. this is what my life is like and it's I think they'll be shocked I need you to have these conversations even if you're not the problem someone you know is yeah I think it's so great that the conversation is going from me too and the the victims and the actions and into the culture and masculinity that created it. Hashtag you two. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Hashtag you two. Mind blown. And the fact that popular culture advertising from a shaving company is doing this, I think it shows that the needle's flipping and I hope it continues. (laughs) Louis C.K. So I guess, I don't know, it was like a year ago that it came out... Well, it was more than a year ago that it came out. There were rumors for a long time that Louis C.K. masturbated in front of women, shut them in rooms and did it, masturbated with them on the phone, letting them know what he was doing. Non-consensually. Yeah, sorry, non-consensually. If you want to lock someone in a room and masturbate in front of them, if there's consent, that's fine. Um, There were rumors for a long time, and last year it came out and kind of got confirmed that he did it. It became public knowledge that this is what he was doing. And he made one of the first public uh, confessions. Mm -hmm. He came out very quickly and said, yep, I did that. I do that. It's kind of a thing. Yep. And he went away into the darkness. And for the past couple months, and again most recently, he's been coming out of the woodwork and performing comedy again and doing it. First of all, one of the funny ways that he does it is he just pops up. He doesn't do a show and ask people to come see Louis C.K. No. He essentially locks them in a room and comedically masturbates right in front of them. Louis C.K., before this controversy, was deemed a very progressive comedian. He talked about masculinity and things in a way that really attacked it, really showed the flaws in it. He was progressive in how he talked about how he was raising his daughters. His daughters. Girls. Like... (laughs) And he's back. And not everyone's happy about it. No. People are protesting his shows. And he's gotten a little indignant about that. Because I think in his mind, he's still that social 
commentary person who's making real issues things. And what I wanted to point out and talk about in this is where he's turned to with his jokes. So he used to punch up, attack masculinity and all these things, and he's being attacked now, I think rightfully so, uh, for making jokes about trans people, Mm -hmm. the Parkland shooting survivors. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there isn't a Parkland shooting joke out there that is funny and relevant and worth saying and a great commentary, but it's not going to be about the victims or the survivors. And I find it really interesting that he is trying to get back on top of his game by doing the opposite of what he did before. He's getting trying to get back by being bitter and punching down at people. Like, he is angry he's and he's showing angry. it. Where does he go from here? Like, what... Is he trying to find a new audience? The only thing I can think he's thinking is that he's trusting his gut. And his gut succeeded for a long time and got him to where he is. And his gut has turned bitter and his gut has turned angry and he's still trusting it. In our first episode, we talked about that little dark cousin on your shoulder. He's got to he's got to talk to that little dark cousin and say, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Instead, he's given that dark cousin a bottle of Jack Daniels and said, write me some shit. And I, I can't tell if he just thinks that he's paid his dues. He wrote an essay saying like, I did this thing. And in his essay, he said, I didn't really realize they weren't into it. Like he, Come on. Right? You're the worst sex partner ever, then. <laughs> uh, dudes, you know, straight dudes. Do you think there's a way back for him? I think there was. Mm. Because I, his initial essay, I took issue with. Because he does the whole, like, I didn't know they weren't into it. And, you know, they should have spoken up or whatever. Like, he... Yeah. It says something like that. Not he put a words. lot on the people he was jerking off. In yeah. Front of. But he could have made a comeback moving past that. He could have stopped jerking off in front of women. He he could have done a second apology. Fuck. He could have done a comedy set about himself. Yeah. Self-deprecating humor is great. He does that pretty well. That's what he started with, essentially. And like turning that into comedy, I think could have been healing. For everybody. Agreed. But now to then turn, you're right. He's trusting his gut. His gut is very wrong. His gut is rotted. I think Margaret Cho, Amy Schumer, Ali Wong, Sarah Silverman just need to like go out and do a fingering myself in front of you tour and just show that female comedians are where it's at because male comedians have been fucking disappointing lately. Topics. Can we talk? I cannot believe the Patriots are going back to the NFL. What did they do wrong? Sorry, to the to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. What did they do wrong? Well, because who's their who's their main quarterback? What's his name? He's Um, the he's the Manning. Yeah, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. One of the Mannings. He's the one. I only know them from Nicki Minaj songs. (laughs) He's the one who um, deflated balls. To make it easier for throwing. Okay. Yeah. They're the worst. So part of like my weekend of meetings today, the people, the guys were like talking about the football games. I have never felt so fucking butch in a room <laughs> because this year with the fantasy football, 
I actually knew the Rams. My top player was from the Rams. Oh, you're so lucky. And so they were talking I about it. I go back and look at my players. And some were not happy that they're winning. And they're like, oh, the Rams. And I'm like, yeah, of course the Rams. Gurley, he brought he took my fantasy football team to the end. Nice. <laughs> I felt so good. Oh, so good. Okay, for next year. Um, I've signed up for two next year. What? My cousin has one that he told me I can oh join. Oh, my God. That's fun. Because he was just so impressed that I had any intention. Okay. But I dare you to do it without your dad's help. I only did it with my dad printing out materials. He did not guide any of my decisions. Okay. You find those materials yourself. I find the materials myself. <laughs> I just want to... I believe so in you. So you think I cheated? <laughs> yes. What? And- <laughs> I did not expect yes to be what came out of your mouth. No. You think I cheated? cheated? You think I cheated? Yes, it's more dramatic. I cannot believe you think I cheated to come in fourth in a fantasy football league. You were fourth. Oh, oh I did not deserve fourth. I was number one and two the whole fucking way to the playoffs, and girly shit the bed. Oh, girly. Um, no, I don't think you cheated. I don't believe you. I don't believe you cheated. I think you had help from someone who's an, who's like more of an expert. So what do you call that, dear? <laughs> that is being coached or tutored. Too much assistance? <laughs> I don't want you to be upset about this. Oh, I'm not I upset. Support- not upset. Not upset. <laughs> I support it. I just... I don't think you do, I... Ashley. I Fine. don't think you do. <laughs> Fine. Get your dad's help. Oh, no. So that you're just walking... That's how you walk it back. No. Not Where you... else do I go? Own your convictions. <laughs> well, I did. And it wasn't going anywhere, so I went another direction. Fine. Next year, I won't. Okay. Next year, I will win. You know what? I'll beat fourth. I will do better on my own merits. Okay. He didn't help me that much, Ashley. Didn't he? No. Okay. Let's walk this shit back. <laughs> Pretty sure I sent you oh pictures God. of the material. You did, but I didn't look at it. Oh, not my fault you didn't look at it. <laughs> Do you know what, Ashley? You cheated. You cheated. <laughs> Do you hate me? Like all the colors of the rainbow, so are the gays of the week. So this week... My gay of the week is Kristen Russo of everybodyisgay.com and also Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast. She recently-ish got divorced and um, had a miscarriage uh, a year ago, actually. She, she noted that if she had had the baby to term, it would be a year this January. Um, yeah, it's quite emotional. She wrote about yeah. it in Autostraddle. I encourage you to look it up. Kristen Russo, Autostraddle. It'll be like one of the top ones to look at. Um, her piece about work, like trying to get pregnant as a queer woman and then going through a miscarriage and then trying again was incredibly cut. It was so well written. It hit me in every feel that I have. Um, I already like, I just think she's amazing. She's so kind. She is 
so empathetic um, and just a remarkable human being. And reading about her struggles um, just made her more human, I guess. But one of those things where you just, you wish you could do something for her. Um, But beyond that, it's an issue that I think we don't talk about as queer people because I, for, for some reason, we already feel so blessed to have children of our own to get pregnant on her own or to, um, yeah, to go through that process. And so when we have a miscarriage, I don't think we talk about it very often, but it really is something we should talk about more. Um, I think queer people, we give, I think as queer people, we give too much of our procreation stuff up to being blessed And I think we should recognize that there are a lot of hardships that go through us to do it. And so I give a huge hands up to Kristen Russo. Thank you for saying the words that many cannot. That was such a nice queer of the week. Yeah, she's pretty good. I can't believe you did that after we yelled at each other. (laughs) I'm giving my gave of the week to the Trevor Project, who recently sent and welcomed Karen Pence the wife of Vice President Mike Pence, to her new job as the art teacher at the Immaculate Christian School by donating 100 copies of the book A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo, a satirical look at a gay bunny uh, based on a book about an actual pet that Mike Pence has uh, that his wife illustrated a book for, talking about his day in the life with the vice president. And you know what? It's activism that's not going to change the world. It's not probably even going to make a dent. But I think it is guerrilla activism that is pretty funny, sending the 100 copies of this book to a very anti-gay school and really just making those people have to deal with it. And I wish I could watch the room full of people opening this book and deciding what to do with it. I love it. I think it's great activism. I think it's a good use of resources. Yeah. So for that little funny dig at Mike Pence and his wife, I'm giving them my gay of the week. Well, that was a fun episode, Ashley. I'm not sure if I'm going to let my mom listen to it, but it was a lot of fun. Fortunately, my mom doesn't listen to it already. I told her we were bitchy and she didn't like that version of me, so. Oh my God, it's the only version of me my mom knows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Follow us on Instagram at GayBestFriendsPodcast. And if you have anything to say to us, please email us at GayBestFriendsPodcast at gmail.com. And we're still wanting to know what the name of our mic is right now. It is just a phallic, nameless object in front of us. And to be between me and Ashley, that na- that's weird. <laughs> Don't forget to like us, uh, subscribe on your listening app, and give us a review if you feel so inclined. Please? <laughs> Happy day!